Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hope you're doing well today. I certainly am starting the day early uh, here at my office and uh, getting ready to uh, use every opportunity uh, to proclaim uh, the word of God. So we have today a continued reading of the book of Genesis. So we'll start with a prayer. We'll go into the reading and I'll give you some reflections on it for today. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, we come before you today rejoicing in the gift of life and in the opportunity to defend it. We come before you today rejoicing in the partnership we have with one another in the greatest human rights cause of our day, the pro-life movement. We thank you for our fellowship in the faith. And we turn to you, Lord, asking forgiveness, for we have sinned against you and against one another. We know you are the God of mercy. We know your son, Jesus Christ, shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And we claim the power of that blood over our bodies, our souls, our relationships, our lives. Free us, Lord God, from the power of sin. And the next time temptation comes to us, enable us to be even stronger, to overcome it, and not to embrace evil, but to embrace you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. So the creation account actually continues today in Genesis chapter 2, because there are two creation accounts here at the beginning of the Bible, looking at it from two different angles. Let's read uh, the reading of today, a reading from the book of Genesis. At the time when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, while as yet there was no field shrub on earth and no grass of the field had sprouted, for the Lord God had sent no rain upon the earth and there was no man to till the soil, but a stream was welling up out of the earth and was watering all the surface of the ground. The Lord God formed man out of the clay of the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. And so man became a living being. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and he placed there the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made various trees grow that were delightful to look at and good for food, with the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God then took the man and settled him in the garden of Eden to cultivate and care for it. The Lord God gave man this order. You are free to eat from any of the trees of the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. From that tree you shall not eat. The moment you eat from it, you are surely doomed to die. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, I mentioned to you in one of my videos from the other day when I was up in New York visiting with my mom that I love the early morning, the refreshment of a new day, the quiet, the stillness, the sense of a new beginning, a new opportunity to write a story that hasn't been written yet. And in these readings during these days, we go to the morning of earth. We go to the morning of humanity, the morning of human history. It's bright, early, first moments of the day. A story not yet written. 
a freshness, a stillness, a quiet, a peace, the presence of God. It's beautiful to be reading about the very beginnings of the story of the earth and of humanity. So purity, isn't there? A purity and a quiet that we yearn for, that, that's, that's implanted in our souls, not just implanted in history, it's implanted in us. And it should give rise to that sense each day, even though lots of history has been written, each day we write it again. Notice, the Lord God formed man out of the clay of the ground. Yesterday we read and reflected on the passage about God making man in his own image and likeness, male and female, he created them. Today we have another account of this creation of human life, forming us out of the clay of the ground and breathing life into us. You know, on Ash Wednesday, we receive the ashes, right? And one of the things the priest can say to us when he does that is remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Well, yes, physically we return to dust. We know that we also rise from the dead. But the dust, the clay, the dirt of the ground comes from this passage here. And the very word humility points to that in, in the etymology of the word, the, the, the ground, the dirt, the clay. We should be humble. We, we were formed from the clay of the earth, but God breathed the breath of life. Now, breath also appears in the very, very beginning of Genesis that we read the other day. Remember it said there was an original chaos, darkness, a void, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters as, a, as God was about to speak his word, and we reflected that that's Christ through whom and for whom all things were made, he also expressed his spirit. So from the Father comes the Son and the Spirit. From the Father and the Son come the Spirit, comes the Spirit. So we have that in the breath because, you know, breath and spirit, it's the same word, ruah in, in Hebrew. Respiration is breathing, right? Respiration, spirit, is the word spirit is in there. Same word. So the Spirit of God came into us and created us. Come Holy Ghost, creator blessed. So who creates? The Spirit of God was hovering over the water. The Spirit of God breathes into the clay and we come about. Who creates? The Father creates. The Son creates. The Spirit creates. Come Holy Ghost, creator blessed. Everything that God does outside of himself is done by all three persons. Why? Because there's only one God. There's only one will, there's only one power, there's only one divinity, there's one God. So God's spirit brings us life. Now some, we should address a pro-abortion argument here. Some defenders of abortion will try to twist this verse of scripture illogically and say, oh, well, you see, life begins when you take your first breath. So life doesn't begin in the womb, it begins when the baby's first born and breathes. What a silly argument. God had to breathe the breath of life into the clay of the earth because there weren't any wombs yet. There weren't any women yet. Of course he's going to breathe the breath right away because there wasn't any womb. These people are unbelievable. I try to defend abortion using the scriptures. Um, and they do it in a lot of, they try a lot of different ways. But that's a ridiculous argument. This was the first human being to exist. Okay, then right away... They conceived and bore a child. 
Scripture says, by the way, the life is in the blood. The life of a creature is in the blood. The baby in the womb also has the breath of life. How do you think the baby gets oxygen and gets nutrients through that placenta adjacent to the mother's own bloodstream? The bloodstreams don't mix, but the placenta is there as the barrier and as the bridge, bringing nutrients, expelling waste, and so forth. All right, so the Lord God then plants the Garden of Eden. Now notice what the charge that he gives to the first man, Adam, to care for the garden, care for it, that includes to guard it and to cultivate it. So the origin of work is found here. Work is an expression of our human dignity. But the origin also of the responsibility to keep safe the world, one's community, one's family. Guard it physically and spiritually to guard that garden. Later on, as we continue reading Genesis, we see that the serpent, the devil, got into the garden. Adam failed to guard it. It points to the problem of fatherlessness in our society. It points to the problem of people being asleep at the switch, whether it's fathers of families, pastors of congregations, politicians in government positions. They fail to guard. It's a big failure of our day. Failing to guard against spiritual wickedness and temptations, failing to guard against the indoctrination of our children with wacky ideas and evil, evil uh, ideas. The Lord God put the man there to cultivate the garden and care for it. And then he gave him freedom. God gave our first parents a lot of freedom. You can eat from any of the trees of the garden. He only made an exception for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we'll talk about what that means. But notice the freedom. Because later on, when the devil, that serpent, that got into the garden, because Adam failed in his duty to guard it, said to them, did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? You see how the devil always exaggerates the commandments of God and makes them seem more restrictive and oppressive than they really are, makes them seem to be an enemy of our freedom when in reality God is the source of our freedom. The devil said, did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees? And our first parents said, no, we may eat from the trees. God gives us a whole lot more freedom than the enemies of God make us think he does. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil doesn't mean to know the difference between good and evil. We have to know the difference between good and evil. Otherwise, how do we choose good and avoid evil? How do we keep the commandments if we don't know the difference between good and evil? That's not what this means. What it means is knowledge in the sense of ownership that we decide, that we set the code, we set the moral code, we write the commandments, we decide what it is that is good and evil. God said, there's a barrier here. There's a boundary line. I am the one. And it's not just based on what he says. It's based on who he is, who God is, sets the, 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 the standard for morality. Because he is truth and he himself cannot change that, well, then we have to be truthful. Because he's life and he himself cannot change that, we have to respect life. Morality doesn't come from what God says. It comes from who he is. And because of who he is, he says it. The knowledge of good and evil. We don't get to write the commandments. 
And you know, the other side who promotes abortion as much as admits that this is their sin. What I mean is, they'll say to you, oh, well, we're not pro-abortion, we're pro-choice. Now, of course, <laughs> pro-choice when the choice is abortion is pro-abortion. But putting that aside for a moment, listen to what it is that they're trying to say. Oh, you could choose to be against abortion. You, can, you want to choose to have that baby? You want to choose to consider that baby in the womb to be a baby? You're welcome to do that. But if we decide it's not a baby, we're also welcome to kill that. This is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because what you're saying is, that which is good and that which is evil is not good or evil in and of itself, Rather, it is good if I choose to say that it's good, if I choose to believe that it's good, if I choose to value that baby, then it's a baby. But if I choose not to have responsibility for that child, it's just a parasite, a piece of tissue, a nothing that I can just get rid of. Self-validating choice. This is the ultimate deep meaning of pro-choice. I mean, for most people, it's just a slogan doesn't really mean anything, but at the core meaning, if you want to dig into a truly pro-choice philosophy, it's this idea, it's, a, it's an original sin, that I can determine what's right and wrong based on my choice. What I choose is good, not because it is good, but because I choose it. That, 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 that self-validating choice, that's dangerous. That's I'm creating my own reality. You know, Naomi Wolf, feminist author, Decades ago, wrote an article called Our Bodies, Our Souls, and as a proponent of pro-choice, she nonetheless said, hey, we have to be careful here because it just doesn't fly in the common sense of most people that that baby on the sonogram is a baby if we say it's a baby and it's not a baby if we say it isn't. We're risking our souls and how right she was. You cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can't create your own moral truth. You can't create your own reality. But that's very much what the other side says we can do and says we must do. In fact, if you look at critical race theory, it's a subset of critical theory. It's much more, it's about much more than race. It's an attack on truth, on anything objective. It's an attack on all that. And ultimately, the position of the people on the other side of the many moral issues that we are fighting is a, an idea that we indeed create our own truth, our own moral code, our own reality. Mary gives us the example instead of the opposite, the servant of God. When the angel comes to her and says she'll be pregnant, she says, let it be done unto me according to your word. In other words, Lord, there is a truth that you speak. We see it here in creation. God speaks and it comes to be. Outside of us, independent of our own mind, God speaks it, it comes to be. In that creation is a moral code, the difference between good and evil. It was God, as we reflected the other day, who separated the light from the darkness, not us. 
And because it's God who separates the light from the darkness, who distinguishes good from evil, who sets the boundary between truth and falsehood, then our attitude has to be to receive that word, let it be done to me according to your word, to let that word shape us, shape our choices, our values, our decisions, our lives, our future, our plans, shape us rather than us shaping it. And therein we find freedom by accepting a truth that we didn't create, but God did and revealed how and in whom? In Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for speaking your word to us and for letting us know what is good and what is evil, not something we decide. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the responsibility to care for the garden, to care for our families, to care for our health, to care for our world, to care for our church. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to care for the unborn, the weakest of all. May we serve them and in serving them, may we serve you. We pray now as Jesus taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for joining me for this uh, scriptural reflection. Blessings to you. May Jesus bless all of us, our families, and all our intentions. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Talk to you soon. Stay tuned to our other broadcasts as well. And we this has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.